Howdy, friends. You're listening to Teaching from Our College Ministry here at FBC Bryan. We hope you enjoy this message from our college pastor, John Davison, as we continue to journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have any questions, reach out via social media, or you can visit our website at fbcbryan.org slash college. We hope you enjoy. And there is, there is no hiding from how bright that screen is in the audience. Used to be kind of dim when that thing was on, but now that's where we're at. Hey, grab your Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Unless you have a broken Bible, that's the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, and this will be the uh, second to last message in this book. I don't know if we're happy or sad about that, but that's just, that's just where we're at. Uh, for the month of November, we're still in November, this space is normally an opportunity to, to hear from a mission organization or somebody who's uh, gone on a mission trip. And our friends from CMM, uh, Center for Mission Mobilization, were supposed to be here uh, tonight, but got caught in traffic on the way back from Austin, uh, which I think was just a sin that they went there in the first place and the Lord was punishing them by not allowing them to get back here. But uh, that's an over-exaggeration. But they're, we've rescheduled them for January because they're doing some really cool stuff next semester as far as teaching and building in some groups and some cool things that you can be involved in. And so uh, we want you to hear from Ethan and those guys uh, for sure. But Ecclesiastes chapter 12, let me remind you of what Solomon is doing here. Basically screaming real loud that all of life is vanity. Everything that you think that you can enjoy outside of God's original design for it is meaningless. It's purposeless. It has no point to it if you're trying to selfishly find pleasure or joy out of these created things that God gave you to be used in the model or in the way that he designed them to, not in a way that you have made an idol out of. And he really kind of lands this plane at the, or halfway through 11 and through uh, chapter 12 in a way that um, can be a little bit difficult. And I've kind of wrestled with how to present this to you um, without explaining kind of clearly the culture difference that was going on there. Almost every other culture on this planet outside of America really values old people. They, they value the wisdom that's found in it. They're, they're elevated in stature and in wisdom. And in America, we flip that on its head. We, we value young and youth. And I think the Botox industry is now like a $60 billion a year industry that people are paying to, to look different. And sometimes it's atrociously different on how, where they land. I, I saw this weird statistic the other day that our, our main actors in Hollywood are these older guys, um, Liam Neeson and George Clooney and these people that are, that are good actors. The average age of their co-star that is female is 25 years younger than them every time. Um, because this is what sells in America. It's a thing that we have elevated is this youth. And what Solomon is doing here, and we've, we've kind of twisted it to fit, and, and not twisted scripture, but, but how we apply it to our context, it, it fits under this, like, like, don't miss out on this. But what their culture was doing was looking forward to being old. Like they, they were ready because that's where, that's where like notoriety came from. That's where people respected you and all of that. And in America, we're not so much that. You look at old people like, I can't wait to get you in a home so you can play with other people, older old people and you can leave us alone. I want to, I want to get away from how you guys used to do it. And you get irritated by, well, in the old days, like that saying right there, irritates your generation. All of those things are true. Um, especially in our American culture. It's just so unique and different from other cultures of the world. But here's the thing that we can really apply. What he's saying here, life moves really fast. Life moves unbelievably quick, okay? Anybody, anybody testify to that? Like all of a sudden you blinked and you're in college, all right? You're gonna blink again and you're gonna graduate. 
Some of you are like, please, Lord Jesus, no, no more work. You're going to blink again, and you're going to be married. You're going to blink again, and there's going to be babies running around. You're going to blink again, and those babies are going to be graduating college. And you're like, there is no way that happens. I promise you it happens. All right? I, I look at a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old in my life, and I'm going, how did I get here? What, what happened for this to like be a thing? I can remember being 13. And all of a sudden, I have one of these that the Lord has entrusted me with his care. That's unbelievable how fast just life moves. And he's pointing us to this like, hey, it's going to go by fast. And at the beginning of chapter 12, he highlights some things to, to maybe add a little bit of lighter fluid to the spark that will fan into a big flame for you to figure out how you should live life. What we talked about at the end of chapter 11 is this, this idea that you, you can't miss out on life. You need to learn how to enjoy life as God has intended you to. And he ends with this verse that's so powerful in Ecclesiastes 11:10. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain. It's another word for evil or another word for sin from your flesh. Because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. He's going, hey, lean in. Like, understand that you can't waste the season that you're in. And the way that you, can't, that you won't waste the season is that you remove sorrow and you put away sin and you then, what starts in chapter 12, verse 1, you turn to Jesus. And in turning, turning to Jesus, which I'm going to keep saying that because that's the gospel, in turning your attention to God in his context... You then begin to live life in the way that he intended you to. You begin to enjoy things the way that he intended you to. And so, so marriage isn't like how you, have, you think it should go or how your parents think it should go. It's how God thinks it should go. And money, you spend it how God wants you to spend it. And, and sex becomes the way that God has designed it to. And, and just joy falls in, under the umbrella of how God designed for it to be lived out. All of these things come alive in this when you, instead of making the things that God created idols... You turn to God and repent from making the models and live in a way that he's called you to. And so this is, this is what he does. He, his intention, I think, in, in this entire section of Scripture is going, hey, turn to God, but do so now. Turn to God as quickly as you possibly can. That's why he keeps talking about not missing it in your youth. Don't wait until you're older to start living for God. Don't be like, okay, when I graduate and I have like my career figured out and I ha I'm married and I have kids, then I will start going to church. But the church has to have a really good children's ministry so that my kids are really, really entertained. And the pastor's got to, that, that's not what he's saying. He's saying right now, you need to just turn to God in the space that you are now and not miss out on things. And he's about to try to scare us into this because he gives this, really sobering picture of, of death and like the curse that comes along with it. Um, I read, and, and I noticed this in here too, that from verse 1 all the way through the end of verse 7, before verse 8 where he says absolute futility, all of that from 1 through 7 is one long sentence, just a big run-on. That if you were to try to read all of it, these are big verses. If you're trying to read all of them, of course, you'd be, you'd be out of breath and struggling. Um, and he does this on purpose because he's beginning to push us into this apocalyptic thought about death. That it's the end, not like the, it's the destruction of the world for your own life. And so this is what he says. So remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of adversity come and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light are darkened and the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain. 
on the day when the guardians of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop, and the women who grind grain cease because they are few, and the ones who watch through the windows see dimly. The doors at the street are shut while the sound of the mill fades when one rises at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song grow faint. Also, they are afraid of heights and dangers on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper loses its spring, and the caperberry has no effect, for the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home. And mourners will walk around in the street before the silver cord is snapped and the gold bowl is broken and the jar is shattered at the spring and the wheel is broken into the well and the dust returns to the earth as it once was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And you go, what? What, what did he just say? He's using this like creative, poetic style to show us and in, in maybe like some, some random joyful words thrown in there to show us what the end is going to look like. Now, this, this entire chunk of Scripture is um, filled with imagery, a, a ton of imagery that, that you can't like dogmatically walk through. What I mean by that is I can't go, this is exactly what he's saying. It's sort of like the book of Revelation in the Old Testament. That you, he's saying some things that you go, Huh? Like, that's a little bit of a weird language here, but we can get kind of close in thought of some of the things that he is thinking in this. Big picture, this is, this is what he's trying to get us at. If you don't turn and run after God early on, then you're going to make some stupid decisions that are probably going to affect your life for years. It plays out like this. You, you don't follow God for a little while because you can do that later, and you marry an idiot who doesn't follow God and it ruins your life for the next 30 years. And you're like, oh yeah, I, kinda, I might be dating an idiot right now. Don't tell them that during the service, all right? Let them know after. You may choose the wrong friends. You may start the wrong occupation. You may move to the wrong place. And all of those dumb decisions will have repercussions that will last throughout your life. And so he's going early on, if you could just figure this out, then you can avoid these things that he's fixing to highlight in our life. And I love this apocalyptic style. It just starts right off the bat. He says the sun and the moon are going to go dark. This is, it, he mentions this in all kinds of different places. It's in Revelation. It's in Joel. Um, it's in uh, Ezekiel. The same type of language echoes. And he's going, hey, it ends in death. And it ends in a pretty dark death. But there's some things that you can pay attention to that will help you walk in a way that will honor God in the days of your youth. To start at the beginning. So remember the, your creator in the days of your youth. How do, we, how do we remember the creator? How do we do that? We trust, we obey, we walk in his commands. Before the days of adversity come and the years approach, when you will say, I have no delight in them. He's going, hey, turn to God before you get to the end of life and you don't enjoy life. Now this is, this can be humorous, but I also recognize that this conversation can be a little bit sad, but, but I think all of us have probably come across people that do not like life anymore, especially when they're older and they're begging the Lord to take them off of this planet. You know why? Because things hurt for no reason. Your mind begins to fade. Disease is, is much easier absorbed into your body. All right, I'll put myself just out there a little bit here. Uh, show of hands. Anybody ever been in the shower and you close your eyes to wash the shampoo out of your hair and you lose your balance and almost fall out of it? Okay, so I thought that just might be an old person thing. 
Because that didn't start happening to me until like, like five years ago, but it, maybe it's our diets or something. Maybe it's too much McDonald's. I don't know what it is. Um, but that's one of those things that I, I noticed. And then I began to go like, I could, I could be like standing by the refrigerator looking at something and just start to be like, where am I going? Like, what is that? I'm broken. I rolled my ankle at the end of July. A lot of you heard this story in my backyard playing baseball. This thing still isn't healed yet. They're like, bro, that was like five months ago. I know. That's what, that's what happens, I think, when you turn like the 40 number, which you guys are going to blink and you're going to be there soon. Your body just begins to deteriorate. It's the result of the fall. It's harder to heal. And you're going to run across people that's like, when, when he says, I have no delight in them. I have no delight in my days. I'm just ready to be gone from here. Turn to God before that sets in. Verse 2. This, this word here, beginning of verse two, before. It happens, it happens three times in the next seven verses, and I think these are important things to highlight because they set up some language, and so if you want to underline them, these are kind of the, the three points, if, if I had three points here. These are the three points that we need to turn to God before, verse two, before the sun and the light are darkened. What does that mean? It means that apocalyptic, like it, the end is soon. It, it's going to end soon. And, and a lot of people say that when the sun and the light are darkened, it really means that your eyesight is beginning to fail. That's what he's talking about. I kind of like to go towards the memory side of it. Like it's just easier for you to forget things. You're, you're becoming a little bit more forgetful. Either way, both of those work. Your eyes are beginning to fail. Your memory is beginning to fade. They're darkened. And the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain. This, this is kind of cool. Rain brings life and so you have these life-giving moments, but then the clouds show up right after that, which is backwards. Normally, it's the clouds that bring the rain. Instead, you get this rain, and the clouds come back over. It's basically going, your memory's fading, and it's foggy. You have a hard time just remembering basic stuff. Some people are like, it's talking about glaucoma. If your eyes are fading, like it becomes foggy, and you can't see. I don't, they didn't have the word glaucoma back then, and so he may be describing that. But I'm just like, hey, it, it's hard to remember things. It's difficult. Turn to God before that begins to happen. Verse 3, on the day when the guardians of the house tremble. He's, he's starting to describe old age here. On the day when the guardians of the house tremble. The guardians of the house are your hands. So what do I guard my house with? You want to come in my house? You're going to get these. Probably not with me. You're going to get the dog. And probably not that because she's a pansy. Um, you're going to get my psycho 13-year-old jumping off his bunk bed onto you. That's what you're going to get. This is the guardians of the house. And when you're old, these things begin to tremble. They begin to shake. And the strong men stoop. It's basically saying that your muscles begin to fail. And the women who grind grain cease because they are few. That verse blows my mind because when you, when you really look at it, you know what it's talking about? Your teeth. Like what? These grinders in your mouth. The things that you chew with. They call the teeth female, which is weird to me. Um, but these women that grind grain, they begin to cease. Why? Because they are few. They are falling out. They are failing in your old age. They're going missing. This, hear me, this is sad what he's doing here. This is what old age gets you. Trembling hands, your muscles begin to fail, you become frail in that your teeth begin to fall out. And the ones who watch through the windows see dimly. This is your eyesight. This is why I think the first part was memory, and now your eyesight begins to, to fail. Verse 4, the doors at the street are shut while the sound of the mill fades. Does that mean you're losing your hearing? All of these things are beginning to fade from you, but, but I love what he does here. 
The doors of the street are shut while the sound of the mill fades, but one rises at the sound of a bird. It's this weird irony that's like you're losing your hearing, but when you're sleeping, even the sound of a bird scares you awake. And so you're having difficulty sleeping. All of these things are just being added on top of this, like old age difficulty. Some of you are like, oh, hit pause, God. I don't want to go any farther than college. I'm done. And all the daughters of song grow faint. Your hearing is fading. You are awoken easily. Your eyes are failing. Your teeth are falling out. Your muscles are failing. Your hands are trembling. You can't remember things. And then I love this. This is Old People 101. Also, they're afraid of heights and the dangers on the road. Some of you are like, yep. I know like the grandparent that tried to climb the ladder, the story this morning to get something out of the upper cabinet. You're like, why are you on a ladder? There's a 90% chance, Grandma, that you will fall off of the ladder. And I know some of you already have stories about how you had to take your keys away from your grandparents. You've got to quit driving. It's not bumper cars. You hit people and you don't even know it, all right, because you can't see and you can't hear, and then you're just running over people in the road or their cars. It'd be terrible if they run over people. It's a little much. This is what we're getting here. They're afraid of heights and the dangers on the road. This one's terrible. The almond tree blossoms. So when the almond tree blossoms, it turns gray. Uh-huh. And then all the leaves fall off. He's going, your hair's going to turn gray, and then you're going to be bald. Some of you ladies are like, yep. This is terrible. And the grasshopper loses its spring. That basically, that is the language. That, that it's not so much that you can't really move anymore. It's that when a grasshopper loses its spring, they're basically saying its body is heavy. It can't jump anymore. It's losing the ability really to move. You're, you're being weighed down. It's difficult to pick things up. You're just old. And the caperberry has no effect. Um, that's a sexual thing. Side note, the uh, caperberry is an aphrodisiac that was used in the olden times to do what those things are used to do. And even that doesn't have an effect on this old age. But I, what I love this, um, I, I read this in a book called too young and too old it says finally there's a loss of sexual desire the caperberry was known as an aphrodisiac but now it has no effect we humorous, humorously see at this point that solomon notoriously loved women and managed to put the loss of sexual appetite dead last he has no teeth he cannot move he cannot see he cannot hear and finally at that point he is not interested in sex anymore this is what happens. This is, the, this is the effect that age has on you. For the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home. And that eternal home is not a conversation about heaven or hell. It is just talking about how you are going to die. And the mourners will walk around in the streets. And so we have the before the days of adversity come in verse 1, which means that death is approaching. Before the sun and the light are darkened. That means your body starts to fail. Death is approaching when you're old, then your body starts to fail. And then verse six, this before here says this, before the silver cord is snapped and the gold bowl is broken and the jar is shattered at the spring and the will is broken into the well. What, what is this talking about? It's all these things that are used to draw water. It's all these things that are used to bring about the one life-giving thing on this planet that you need 
the cord that lowers it down, the gold bowl that's sitting there that holds the jar, the jar that holds the water, the wheel that is the pulley system that gets it all up out of the well. They break and they fall down into the well. You no longer get water in verse 7. And the dust returns to the earth as it once was. This is creation language that takes us back to Genesis 3.19, from dust you were formed into dust you will return. And so in, in your old age, you're going to lose the ability to even draw water, to, to be able to provide for yourself the thing that sustains life. And when that happens, you go back to the dust. It's the promise in Genesis chapter 3 that that's where we're going to return to. But here's this cool thing that echoes from that dust part. And this is, this is the hope that he, that he gives us because this is really sad, okay? The dust returns to the earth as it once was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Verse 8, absolute futility. But what is this hope? What is he pointing us to? Because he just is like, hey, being old is terrible, all right? I need, you to, I need you to run after God in the days of your youth so you don't make stupid decisions so that you can have your entire life to live for God because when you hit this point, it's going to be difficult. And in your frustration, it's not going to be as easy to turn to God. So build a foundation that you can walk on so that when you get there, you have a hope that's bigger than your body. You have a hope that's bigger than your surroundings. You have a hope that's bigger than your situations. You just get to live in this. The cool part is, is we know the end. Solomon keeps going back to the garden because this is what he knows. He's like, it used to be perfect. In our sin, we messed it up. In our sin, we make idols out of created things that God created for us to enjoy, but we've perverted them and they bring about death. And so when we use those things for selfish gains, we need to turn and repent from them and look back to the Father and chase after Him and use those things in the way that He intended for us to be used, but we continue to sin and mess this up. That's why we get to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is this cool little like top and bottom of a cookie. I don't even like cookies. Top and bottom of a really good sandwich that, that highlights what happened at the fall and then what we get post-Jesus and, and what this kind of conversation that Solomon is pointing us to about old age, what we do with it. Verse 12. We're going to read a bunch of this. Therefore, Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, that's what we get, in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. So we're all going to die. This is what he's, he's highlighting here. Solomon is like, hey, you're going to die. And that runway before you die is not fun. And so chase after God when you're young. And so that part of it, there's a lot more hope wrapped up in it because you're all going to die. Verse 13. In fact, sin was in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass many died, Adam, sin, death, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many? And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. 
Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? He's pointing us to this hope that, yes, from dust you were formed, but to dust you will return. But there's this reset that Jesus is bringing about that's going to bring us life through the justification and the glorification, the grace poured out through Jesus. Verse 18, so then as through one trespass, there is condemnation for every one, so also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. It's our hope. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we, we turn to God before this silver cord is snapped, before we return to this dust. Because when we sin against God, we die. And we return to that dust from which we came. And Ecclesiastes has said all along, has echoed all through these 12 chapters, that we live in this cursed, fallen world where death is inevitable. And because of humanity's sinful choices, we are right in the middle of it up to that point. And this text is painful, and it's depressing, and it's like heart-wrenching to read about old people's. But here, here's the cool thing. Death's sting should stir us to action. Not to just sit in it and be like, here I am just breathing to death. Like, I mean, there's a college, I got to live it up because I just read like being old is going to be terrible. And so I got to fill my life with really, really cool memories before my body starts to fail me. The trouble with that is fill your life with a lot of cool memories. When you get old, you forget them anyway. You just went, oh, <laughs> that math doesn't work. We live in a cursed kind of depressing situation. But if we can begin to follow and remember God now, then you will learn to live without regret. He will fill your life with joy. And this is the, the correction, the exhortation, the encouragement that the wisest man that's ever lived is pushing you to. Because this is what he got. Solomon has this fear of the Lord. And in that fear of the Lord, God shows up and says, hey, I kind of like what you're doing here. Ask me for anything. And what does he say? Hey, give me wisdom. And that, that's, a, that's a great request, in fact. And because you ask for wisdom, I'm going to give you riches beyond anything that the world has ever seen. And so he becomes the wisest, the wealthiest, the most attractive, I have to assume, because they have like a thousand wives. Um, he has all of these things going for them, and then he begins to try to find pleasure in all of these things that the Lord has given him. And in that pleasure, it leads him, what we can kind of see in the book of Ecclesiastes is really to a point of depression because he thinks that all of these things are a gift from God and he can't enjoy them. Why? Because he's making them idols and the Lord has removed the ability for him to enjoy them. And he's going, hey, if you would return to me and realize that all of this stuff on this planet is meaningless outside of God's hand. I'm not saying that all the stuff on the planet is meaningless because God created it for your good. Marriage is not meaningless when you walk in the way that God intended you to. Sex is not meaningless when you do it in the way that God intended you to use it. Money is not meaningless when you use it the way that God intended for you to use it. All of those things are good gifts from him. Outside of God's purpose, they are idols. And he's highlighting this, and he's going, if you would figure this out when you were young, 
and you would walk in this, your life would look radically different. And me, as the wisest man that ever lived, if you could avoid the mistakes that I have made, what a difference that will make for you. But bigger than that, because we can zoom out now because of what Jesus did, what a difference that can make for eternity if you can just walk in that. Next week, we're going to see his final commandment. It's on these bracelets. Here's the chief end of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. It's what he's calling us to. And it starts with this understanding that death is inevitable. You're going to return to dust. What are you going to do with this space? It starts now, not later. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for your promises. And I thank you that, you, that, that they're good. Like your promises are, are true. And in Christ, they are yes. And we can walk in those things. And God, thank you for how you made us. Thank you for creation. Thank you for the joy that we can find in created things when we use them according to the way that you've designed. But if we could figure that out now, like if, if college students in this room could grasp that and just, and just look at you often and go, God, how do you want me to use this? How do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to do with this? In the same way that for two plus years we've been praying this Shema, may we apply that to every area of our life. May we say, God, you're, you're my only thing. You're the foundation in which everything else sits. And help me to love you with all that I am. And not later on, not when, not when I get the right wife or the right husband to make me complete, not when I, not when I have the 2.5 kids and the dog and the fence, not, not when I have all of those things, but would you teach me now how to love you with all of my heart, all my mind, all my strength, all of my being on the inside. And it starts now. We thank you for Solomon and his, his push to understand like what old age brings us and how he, he makes it this like end of the world apocalypse type thing for us individually. And so instead of like the, the fear of death and the fear of old age, may we walk in the fear of disappointing our father and missing out on the days that he's given us now. Would you stir that in us and teach us how to do that by your spirit? And as we respond and worship to you, may that become concrete inside of us and be a thing that changes our life for the next 60, 70, 80 years that you give us. That's to honor you. Not something we figure out later, but something we grasp now with your help by your spirit in Jesus' name.